Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I am a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, who's worked in the U.S., since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for Family Caregivers, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. The topic today is help with diabetes for diabetics and their families. So a quick word about diabetes. It's a lifelong disease in which the levels of sugar in the blood are too high because of problems with insulin. It has no medical cure. It's of three types, three main types. Type 1 diabetes is where there's too little insulin produced by the body. Type 2 is uh, in which the body is resistant to insulin. And that's by far the most common form of diabetes these days. Then there's also diabetes which occurs during pregnancy, which unfortunately increases the risk of type 2 diabetes later in life. Now, in North America, diabetes affects more than 22 million people. And it's starting as early type 2 diabetes in over 44 million people. It brings the risk of medical emergency, confusion, coma, convulsion. It brings serious complications such as heart attack, stroke, kidney disease, eye disease, and nervous system disease. But it does have some good news because good blood sugar and blood pressure control can prevent many of the complications of diabetes. Now, to talk about the help that's needed to get that good news into action, my guests are Mark Keeley and John Wonderly. Now, Mark is Chief Advocate of Keeley and Associates Incorporated. He's a graduate of the University of Waterloo in Ontario, and he was educated at Kent State University in Ohio. He's a lead voice in North America on health reform, integrated uh, health and drug benefit plan enhancement, and healthcare policy. He served as the CEO of one of Canada's largest pharmacy organizations, He's advocated for the integrity of drug supply between Canada and the U.S. He was the first co-chair of the Pharmacy Council in Ontario, 
which led to expansion of practice opportunities for pharmacists in an integrated health system. And he's been an executive at the community hospital. John Wonderly is an independent information and privacy consultant in Toronto. His background in privacy includes protecting employee data for a Canadian payroll and human relations outsourcer, protecting patient data for an Ontario health agency, and being a senior policy advisor to the Privacy Commission of Ontario. His current client's concerns involve health records in a variety of contexts. He serves as a privacy member of the Ontario Cancer Research Ethics Board, and he continues to write, speak, and teach on privacy-related issues for public and private sector audiences across Canada. Now, he describes himself as a middle-aged guy with chronic health issues, including type 2 diabetes, who's also active in a political party. Welcome to the show, Mark and John. Well, I'm Thank glad you. to be here, Dr. Ashley. Great. Call me Gordon. Okay, Gordon. I'm glad to be here again. Yeah, great. John, good. welcome to... Uh, welcome to you as well, Gordon. Thanks for the over-generous uh, introduction. <laughs> You're very welcome. Now, I'm going to start with Mark. Please tell us a bit more about your career and work, especially how it might relate to health care policy about diabetes. Well, 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 if I could, one of the things that, that sort of I'm not going to uh, characterize myself as a subject matter expert in in diabetes or the management of diabetes, I'll let those who, who A, create policy in that, in that regard or who actually have to live with this uh, talk about that. And so, John, it's, in my opinion, the subject matter expert on your show. But what I, what I do want to talk about is um, uh, an area in my career that I think I developed a, a terrific uh, understanding of this, and that is in the area of patient self-management and compliance on your diabetes, and actually in the development of chronic disease management strategies. And that, that has gone, uh, from my perspective in my career, across Canada and in several states in the United States. Uh, one of the things that I think uh, sets apart um, a lot of uh, other diseases as it relates to chronic or as it relates to diabetes is this whole issue on chronic disease management. It is not just uh, uh, diabetes is a horrible, insidious disease that actually attacks almost every single part of the human body. And so from that perspective, one of the things that really um, uh, bolstered my career in, in a way to, 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 to manage that whole issue was in the area of patient self-management. And at some point in this, um, in this uh, interview, uh, Dr. Athley, I'd like to talk about patient self-management and uh, how that could help uh, moving forward. Great. Well, we've got a space for that. John, tell us a bit more about your career and work. And I'm going to ask you as a second question talk about your experience with diabetes. So it's your career and work I'm interested in right now. Uh, well, I guess you could call me the, uh, the accidental privacist. I, uh, I have a background in IT and operations, and I took on privacy at a former uh, organization as a project that then turned into a career. Uh, and as a result of working in privacy and, uh, and, and health, especially here in Ontario, I understand your, your audience is, not, uh, is, is much more broad than that. There are a number of initiatives where my privacy work uh, overlaps uh, uh, government or systemic uh, initiatives on diabetes management. So I'm going to be very interested to hear what Mark has to say on, on, that, uh, on that later. 
In terms of uh, uh, diabetes, I'm, it's sort of the, the the prototypical case, you know, and uh, an overweight, uh, sedentary, middle-aged guy working at working at home, uh, late forties, develops uh, type two diabetes, and have been uh, managing that uh, with my partner ever ever since. And I think that's the uh, the thumbnail version. I think we'll see where you'd like to go from there. Okay, let's go to Mark. Back to Mark. These patient self-management of diabetes. Um, what is it that really got you involved and interested in that aspect of diabetes, considering that you've had so much involved with pharmacy, pharmacists, and pharmaceuticals? Mark? Well, sure, absolutely. As you know, um, uh, Gordon, I was a hospital administrator for a number of years. And in that, in that rule, you know, especially in, in hospitals, you, you have outcomes measurements that are part of your uh, daily regimen. And in the hospital world, one of the things that sort of became painfully obvious was that there were a number of admits from uh, the emergency department that were diabetes-related. So as I moved on in my career, the whole issue became very important to me on compliance and actually how you can measure compliance as it relates to um, uh, outcomes related to the insidious disease of diabetes. So I got involved in the the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation through through some of my friends that were involved in that. And I was involved uh, in the CDA, the Canadian Diabetes Association, on a number of uh, initiatives. Most importantly was the development of a chronic disease management strategy for the province of Ontario. And if you know, back in 2004, um, uh, the Ontario uh, government decided that it was probably a good idea to get into diabetes education and put diabetes education teams across the province in what we call affectionately family health teams. And um, uh, that sort of branched off into community health centers and then obviously hospitals um, across the province. And, you know, the whole idea around that, uh, Gordon, was to help patients with diabetes to manage their diseases more effectively. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not here to espouse whether that's good or bad because I, I think we could, we could debate the issue as to whether it's been effective. But uh, at the end of the day, these are the things that are, have really become um, a parallel to this whole notion of the responsibility that an individual has. We don't, we don't ask for this to happen. Diabetes just, you know, if you listen to what John had said earlier on, it's, it's, it's not just due to a sedentary lifestyle. It could be, uh, it could be a, a number of factors, including genetics. Uh, but at the end of the day, patient self-management um, is, uh, in my opinion, uh, something that uh, we need to really uh, hone in on as a, as a means to manage a lot of the issues. And, and if, frankly, when we deal with it in the context, and you, you'll talk later on in your segments, uh, Gordon, uh, the cost-effectiveness of this, I believe that uh, there needs to be an incentive for patient self-management. Right, we'll come to that. John, tell us about your own experience with diabetes and the extent to which you, just briefly, agree with Mark about the importance of self-management. And well, I, I think there's, um, this is a complex issue. And you can speak absolutely correctly about it in, in, in one context and be absolutely incorrect in another one. So it's always important how we frame this. So a bit of personal background, uh, there, is, there is diabetes in my family, both type 1 and, and type 2. And for privacy reasons, I won't tell you who's got who, what, but it's not surprising that I, uh, to, to uh, Mark's point about genetics that, that I came up with this. 
And I'm a I'm a tech savvy guy, so I have an iPhone app uh, that I log my blood sugars on, and I my A1Cs come back uh, uh, as well managed. So I completely uh, completely agree with Mark that uh, uh, for the individual who has this uh, has this disease, uh, self management is critical because it's it's every daily choice that you make has an impact on your on your blood sugar and how you're going to manage it. So that's a that's a significant lifestyle change for uh, late onset diabetics for both themselves and their families. I think we'll get to that a whole whole bunch later. And I, in my experience, having moved to Ontario, <clears throat> sure, uh, a year or two after the uh, the initiative that uh, Mark talked about, and dealing with my endocrinologist, and then have been recommended by my endocrinologist to a community health center where I, I've ha- had assistance by a team, including dietitians and, and nurses. That uh, that provides an, an enormous amount of support for, for for those that want it. So I think. I think that's that's terrific work, but I think that's only part of the story. John, I'm going to break in there because it's a good moment. We've got to take a break. This is where we have to pay the rent. So let's do that now, and then we'll come back to that point you just made. So let's take the short break now. This is Dr. Gordon Averley. My guests are Mark Keeley and John Wunderlich. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. What does the new health care law mean to you? Why is the country facing a deepening deficit? Can it be reversed? If education is important to fund, shouldn't we insist on seeing results? Do we have a workable energy policy? Who's calling the shots? Tune in to In the Public Interest with host Mike Hudson. We'll cover public policy, everything from taxes and spending to health care and other threatened entitlements. If it's in the public interest, it's in your interest to know. In the Public Interest can be heard live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at m y m o n a m i dot com. 
Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mark Keeley and John Wunderlich. Our topic is help with diabetes for diabetics and their families. Now, I'm going to, we're going to talk about diabetes-related challenges, and I want to start with John because he was talking in the last segment about diabetes as a, a social challenge. So, John, would you like to carry on and just finish that point off, please? Well, well absolutely. I mean, the, once you've got to the point of individual management, you look at diabetes in society, and we're all familiar with the reports on growing obesity and associated diabetic issues and so forth and so on. So I want to challenge or, or bring that up uh, in two particular points. One, um, social inequalities uh, as, or social determinants of health. And there's, there's good evidence going back to the original Westminster studies in Britain in the 60s and 70s, I believe, that suggest that uh, inequalities in society have health outcomes or health out results. And the greater your social inequality, the greater your, um, the greater your uh, or the worse your health outcomes are. And I'll come back to that. But the second thing I want to talk about is, and I'll be really interested to hear Mark's take on this given his, uh, his, his background, is the fact from the point of view of the private sector portion of the illness treatment system, which is, I think, more characterized, correctly characterized that way rather than the healthcare system, diabetes is the perfect disease. It doesn't kill the patient quickly, but it does require that the patient interact with the system on a regular basis, and either the patient or their, or whoever's paying for their, for their care has to make regular substantial payments uh, for drugs and paraphernalia to manage their disease. So it's a, it's a well-understood, well-managed, and expensive disease. So from the private sector point, there's not a lot of motivation to actually find a cure. And, and that's just a systemic view. Understand that I'm not criticizing any individual, but if you look at it systemically, it's, it's a great disease uh, in that respect. So when you have a, um, a system where where there is a significant private sector element, one has to wonder what the long-term outcomes systemically are going to be. Right. Now, I'm going to bring Mark in on that point. These systemic issues that um, John has been talking about and the challenges they bring to the healthcare system, please could you say further more about the way in which those social challenges impact on the healthcare system? Well, you know, when I when I got your uh, your kit in advance of this uh, show, uh, Gordon, uh, one of the things that struck out at me was this, um, you know, second segment here when you asked the question about the principal challenges that diabetes brings to the healthcare system. And what I what I really thought was, you know, John so so eloquently uh, spelled it out in terms of this being not only a systemic but you know a socially systemic issue. There are, you know, when you when you look at just just look at the province of Ontario as one example. Ontario is the fourth largest economy in North America, and it invested something in the neighborhood of seven hundred and forty-one million dollars into a diabetes um, strategy. I, I'm going to say this, and, I'm, and John, I'm not trying to cast aspersions or anything on on what the government has done, but the, 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 the one of the things that they really wanted to get across was this whole public education, and in a lot of cases, uh, Gordon, it was public education as to the effects of the disease. But in, a, in my opinion, what, what really needed to happen or what really needs to happen is 
uh, public education writ large on the impact that uh, diabetes has socially. Let me give you this as an example. As a hospital administrator, I uh, I used to, I remember when our human resources people would say to me, Mark, nobody wants to tell us that they have diabetes. And the reason they didn't want to tell you that they had diabetes was because they were castigated or almost um, put in a position to be uh, treated differently if they had diabetes because it meant that you had you know, more days off, there was uh, more management of your, of your, of your issue. And so you were probably, uh, you know, turned down for promotion or et cetera, et cetera. You understand where I'm going with that. The other issue is this. If I look at it in this, in this context, as somebody with, living with diabetes, um, you, you know, if, if, you're, if you're driving your car and you're, and you're a patient living with diabetes and you're swerving all over the place, and it used to be that a police officer would pull you over, they might arrest you for being actually uh, – uh, intoxicated while driving, which is not actually the case. So now there's more recognition for the the severity of the disease as it relates to, you know, the management and the operation of uh, of um, of motor vehicles and other uh, and other equipment. So those kinds of things have sort of permeated the consciousness of society as well. But but I still think there's a long way to go in terms of of um, of, of of managing, you know, the the, the I'm going to keep calling it the insidiousness of this disease in, in the system. But as it relates to healthcare, John so eloquently put it right, and I believe it, and I'll even go one step further and say, once you are diagnosed with diabetes, the system wrings its hands. And when I say the system or the sector wrings its hands because they say, this is great. This is going to make me a ton of money as a pharmaceutical manufacturer. This is going to make me a ton of money as a test strip manufacturer, et cetera, et cetera. You just go down the line. It's, um, it is the perfect disease from that perspective. So cost and, uh, and yeah, I guess the, the amount of money that it costs to manage this disease is one of the biggest challenges for, um, uh, for health care writ large, but I think we have to look at it in a societal way as well. And I hope, I really hope that uh, not only um, the government of Ontario but other governments across North America and in all the areas where, uh, where your show goes, uh, uh, Gordon, really take advantage of the fact that public education means much more than just publicly educating people on the issue of diabetes. Right. Now, that takes me to John, and it takes me to healthcare professionals like I used to be, and their ways or attempts to help diabetics and their families. And I'm just wondering, John, how successful do you think healthcare professionals are being in the way they approach and help diabetics and their families? What do you think? I think there's two answers to that question. I think uh, the individuals that I've encountered in the system have been hardworking professionals that do, do a good, good job, uh, and I relate well to them, and they're helping me manage my disease, and I couldn't, be, I couldn't be happier with my relationship with those people. Institutionally, however, the organizations that represent them uh, or uh, have failed dismally to address the significant issues that need to be addressed. So uh, that's one of the ironies of looking at uh, the social issues. When everybody agrees that as a group we're doing a bad thing, will we continue to do a bad thing as a group? That seems to me to be what's happening in, with the uh, medical professions with diseases like this. Uh, John, this is just a quick supplementary. Do, are you saying that it's been over-medicalized? 
diabetes? I, I think that there that uh, that health. The reason I said earlier that we have an illness treatment system, not a health care system, is that is exactly that. You to trigger uh, response and act by the healthcare professionals. You have to have an illness. There has to be uh, a treatment. There is there is insufficient uh, view uh, in in my view intervention or opportunities to engage people at all points in their life. Why is it, for example, that uh, schools uh, across North America are signing contracts with pop manufacturers or making, uh, making deals with pizza, uh, pizza companies to provide food and drink for children in school? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, 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 that has clear health outcomes, which include diabetes, uh, but that's, if you talk about it as a health, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the Department of Education. That's not the Ministry of Health that deals with that. Exactly right. Now, Mark, I want to pick up on the particular point that John's just made, and that is I was going to ask you how the health care system is attempting to meet the challenges but I think what I want to really ask you in light of what John just said is, how is the government system generally attempting to meet the kind of challenges that extend from healthcare into these other social areas? Mark? Well, well you know, this is a complicated issue, right? And, and I think, um, you, you know, um, edu- education comes in the guise of a whole bunch of things. If we look at, when I say it's complicated, let me just go on this stream of consciousness. People don't necessarily know the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. But if we, if we hearken back to the whole that comment that John made earlier on about, uh, you know, um, uh, schools, schools um, are a, a very interesting place to start. You have to. I mean, this, this cohort of uh, people with diabetes is going to grow and grow and grow. And in, in 25 years, this is going to be an epidemic. It doesn't matter whether you're living in Arizona or if you're living in Ottawa. Uh, the issue is that, that, that this, is, this uh, whole um, uh, disease known as diabetes is going to uh, rapidly uh, infect, I'm going to say, you know, many millions of people as we, as we get older. And it's a whole bunch of things. So I think John is right to say that, you know, in, in schools, for example, we've got to start putting in place some kind of a program where you get rid of pop and you get rid of pizza. But in some cases, that's being done whether it's in school boards in, in states like Florida or even in Ontario. Ontario has moved uh, uh, quite well over the last little while to get rid of a lot of, um, of, uh, of those machines in schools so that you're not, shelling, you're not selling sugary drinks, that kind of thing, and they're healthier meals in, in high schools. But it's still, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. But as it relates to, you, you know, your, your comment, have we... Have we been successful in meeting the challenges uh, from a government's perspective? I don't really think that government has a firm understanding of just how much of an epidemic this could potentially be as we move forward. You know, John rightly pointed out earlier on too. This is not diabetes is so complicated, and it, it just caught, it just it's a cross section of just so much of a of a of a person's um, um, healthcare uh, system. That unless we uh, unless we put in place some really decent uh, policies to manage this, we're going to be just doing this piecemeal over and over again. Right now, we're going to come to in the ne- next couple of segments um, ways forward. 
But it is time again to take the short break. So here, here goes. This is Dr. Gordon Everly. My guests are Mark Keeley and John Wonderly. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mark Keeley and John Wunderlich. Our topic is help with diabetes for diabetics and their families. So let's now talk about responsibilities for meeting the diabetes challenges. Some of them you've identified and some of you you haven't yet identified. So Mark, first, what are the responsibilities that the healthcare system has to meet the challenges you've identified and other challenges that I think you want to talk about? Well, I'm going to go back, uh, Gordon, to this whole notion of, you know, we, we always look at, you know, the healthcare system is responsible, but really it's, it's both, um, it's, a, it's a system issue and it's also a societal issue. So if we look at, at, at both Canada and the United States as an example, these are both multicultural communities. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you live in California or New York or Toronto or Vancouver. You, there are, you know, myriad um, um, uh, cultures that are living together. And, and there have been study after study after study done on the, um, the incidences of diabetes in Asian and South Asian communities. That cultural sensitivity needs to sort of permeate the government policy as it deals with this issue. 
The other issue, and, and I've had a terrific amount of uh, experience in this. I sit uh, on the board of the Aboriginal Pharmacists Association of Canada, and we know that the majority of, of, of patients in the uh, First Nations community, not only in Canada but in the United States, have you know high incidences of uh, type two and and actually type one diabetes. So we have to we that has to permeate the policy, and and you know we always. We always hearken back to this whole notion that the healthcare system is ultimately responsible. But I want to go back to John's comments at the outset and say it's more complicated than that. It's actually more universal or, or small C Catholic than that. We have to deal with it in the context of an overall, um, uh, I'm going to say, societal um, uh, need, and that those challenges have to be identified and they have to be addressed. Fair enough. Now, John, John. I'm going to ask you about the responsibilities of healthcare professionals to meet challenges that you've been talking about. You've made a distinction between the individuals who you've dealt with and what the system does. But I'd also like to comment on what Mark has been talking about, and that is seeing uh, the need for, um, if you like, social change of various kinds in the way um, our communities organize themselves uh, to combat the challenges. Now, that's a big question, but please have a go. What are the responsibilities of healthcare professionals? John? Well, uh, as you were talking, I think uh, what occurred to me was the story of a, of a doc here in Toronto. Um, the uh, social welfare and disability rates in Ontario are his, at historic low levels. But one of the things that they do provide is if you have a medical condition, there was used to be something called a special diet. In fact, the rates uh, some poverty organizations argue, and poverty would uh, poor people would be a category of people that have high incidences of of this for a whole variety of reasons that we can go into separately. Uh, but what happened was that a, a doctor uh, who was treating people started prescribing the special diet. And he was prescribing at a much higher rate than than other doctors. And his argument was, and if I can recall correctly, was, well, this is a you know having enough to eat is a medical necessity. Um, this led to a uh, a bit of a political kerfuffle. And in fact, he was, if I recall the headlines correctly, uh, not disciplined but cautioned by his college uh, for for intervening. Where I think. He should have been complimented because what he was using was the tools available to him as a doctor to uh, address a social, uh, a social policy deficiency that impacted on the health of his patients. And I think that's the way forward for, for health professionals is to, uh, as they practice uh, their professions, make the links to these individual choices and social, uh, and, and social questions. And to push uh, or to elect to lead their colleges, uh, people that uh, understand that responsibility and will advocate uh, for political and social change that will improve health outcomes. I think that's, I don't know, I think that answers your question. Yes, it does. What you're saying is that the healthcare professionals need to act collectively in the interests of the people they're caring for so that these social changes are reflected and respected in, in the way the system operates. Now, that takes me to Mark. Now, I, we keep talking about systems and healthcare systems. Let's actually talk about government and governments. 
um, because some of these issues are so large that, according to your politics, only governments can actually handle them. So let's approach the question in this way. What responsibility does government have to meet any of the challenges that you, you both have been talking about? Mark? Well, I'll start out by giving a statement, a principle, and that is that, you know, any government is, is, is sort of measured on how well they treat the people they govern. And so when you look at uh, the issue of diabetes, and look, let's not kid ourselves. This is a huge cohort that will only get larger and larger and larger as time goes on. And it, it's uh, both a factor of uh, lifestyle, it's a factor of genetics, it's a factor of a whole host of things that somebody has to manage. If we, if we left it to the devices of individuals, we're all busy people. If we left it to the, the, the devices of the private sector, there would be, I'm going to say, uh, even less of an interest because it doesn't make money uh, to, to, the degree, uh, to the degree that, that any kind of prevention or uh, the, the uh, issues that we've talked about in this, um, in this uh, entire interview um, would, uh, would remedy. But, but more importantly, the government has a huge responsibility because it, its role is to uh, govern the, uh, uh, the entire, uh, I'm going to say, the, the, its entire citizenry. So, yeah, they, there, there is a huge um, responsibility for government. And if you look at some of the things, I mean, I, I don't want to be a, a, a flack or sound like a flack for any particular government, but, you know, diabetes education is a, is a great big huge thing that has happened in the, Canada's largest province in Ontario. Um, it's the first province, uh, for all intents and purposes, to fully fund insulin pumps for children and youths with type 1 diabetes. And from what I understand, too, maybe John could correct me, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a, a process in place to expand the program to include um, adults with type 1 diabetes. When we look at the issue of, um, of investing, because that's where government can really play a role, there's an investment in the, in the hundreds of millions of dollars into a strategy that includes uh, public education, uh, the expansion, if you will, of uh, bariatric surgery that 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 really could uh, create a uh, a great big huge positive effect on that, and notwithstanding the insulin pump program, and and other areas too, like the expansion of uh, chronic kidney disease services. All of these are, you know, really the purview of government when you think about it. I'd also I'd also hearken back too to uh, John's comments about you know creating a systemic issue here, and if we look at you know investments that have taken place in states in the United States and even in Canada um, on uh, centers of excellence for uh, bariatric surgery, those kinds of surgeries would really help uh, in a lot of ways to mitigating a lot of the issues that are brought on by diabetes. So uh, that, and I was going to bring up later on, and we could talk about it too, uh, Gordon, is this whole issue of a diabetes registry, because we have to be putting ourselves in the position to be looking at people who are stricken with this disease to be more or less, um, uh, I'm not going to say, because I don't want to, you know, I know that John is a privacy expert. I don't want to, I don't want to say that we need to flag them, but if I had diabetes, I want people to know I have diabetes and I want them to act accordingly. So that's the responsibility of government too. Okay. I'm only going to interrupt you because I want to get John in on, on a particular point, but I think what we're getting from you, Mark, is that yes, there has to be a bigger plan with components, uh, that government leads. So Absolutely. I want to change the focus now, John. 
responsibilities for that diabetics and their families have when to meet these challenges and the particular challenges you've been talking about. What are the family and and family members' responsibilities? John? Well, again, uh, it's complex, but the first thing is the family uh, of the diabetic needs to understand the dietary needs and the issues that the diabetic is facing. If you're a diabetic because because of overeating and, and obesity, then there are diet, questions of diet, questions of exercise, questions of lifestyle. It's much easier for the person with diabetes to deal with that in a, in a familial, supportive environment, which puts a big burden on, on the family of that person because they're not the ones with diabetes. Why do they have to change? So uh, I think having that discussion in the family, how are we going to deal with this, how are we going to move forward, how are we going to stay together as a family when we all have to make the changes even though you're the one that's got the disease, I think it's a big part of what your show, Family Caregivers, is all about. And, and uh, I, I'm thankfully still self-managing and, and, and my spouse is supportive, but if, I was, uh, if, if we still had kids at home and we're having to kick, cook multiple different meals, uh, and so forth, it becomes a real challenge at, at that level. The, and the other level we're talking about is get politically active. And we have a whole other show about privacy and electronic health records and uh, uh, what my personal opinion is the misguided nature of the initiative that Canada Health InfoWay is funding in terms of, of uh, uh, one, one large interoperable system across the country. Uh, but I think that's a topic for another yeah. show. Yes, I think we should have another show on that. Uh, but I just want to come back. I, I just like to flag that. Yeah. Uh, I suspect Mark and I will respectfully disagree on that one, and we'll we'll, we'll move on. We'll well, move on. I, you know, I, I I don't want to disagree with him because I, I, it's funny because I, I was just um, uh, tonight at a friend of mine's in uh, in Mark, uh, Mark, I'm sorry to do this to you, but we're <laughs> going to run into the break, and it's All probably right. politically just as well. But we we are coming. All right. So, okay. it is time to take the break, because we do have that responsibility. All right. This is Dr. Gordon Adelaide, my guests are Mark Keeley and John Wunderlich. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're coming back, and we still have a great deal to say. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your teams. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Join classical homeopath Piper Martin to discover an entirely new way to experience pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Educate yourself and connect with the possibilities of new choices and opportunities for you and your baby. Learn to use homeopathy to support yourself and your baby both physically and emotionally. We'll also discuss topics specific to all women, such as understanding and accepting our bodies, relating to other women, and how to expand out of your comfort zone and discover new and powerful concepts. Tune in to The Whole Woman, Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voice America. America.com. Well, you know I need someone. Well. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mark Keeley and John Wonderly. Our topic is help with diabetes for diabetics and their families. Now, gentlemen, I'd like to suppose that you both are politicians seeking election. And what I'd like you to tell us now is what you would want to see done as a politician uh, to respond to the challenges of diabetes. So let's hear your election platform. Starting with Mark, first of all, what are the three main parts of your platform for government policies to respond to the challenges of diabetes? Well, I, I, I'm going to go this way because I, I and, and you know, John, John, you might take this um, uh, and think, oh my God, this guy's agreeing with me. But uh, <laughs> if I were, if I, if I were in the position to be. Uh, running for government, I would look at three areas. I would look at youth and diabetes because the future is theirs, and we have to deal with this issue as that cohort grows. The second issue is obviously education. And when I talk about education, I'm talking about the policies that you would put in schools, in uh, in uh, social services like policing and fire and EMS that relate to those uh, those those people who to people who would be living with diabetes, and prevention programs. And lastly, I think we've got to look at it in the context of, um, I'm going to say, uh, self-management. Uh, this is, you know, when you talk about self-management, it, it deals with issues like um, how, how a physician and a patient interact. I, I, I would infer from the comments that John made earlier on that when a patient has been diagnosed with either type 1 or type 2 diabetes, their doc says, oh, my goodness, I have to deal with this patient now ad infinitum. But if you have, if there's a patient self-management component to, um, um, I'm going to say, a platform, and then we can deal with it from that perspective and move forward. And, uh, and, and, and frankly, uh, if I could be just obliged, if you could oblige me for a moment, Gordon, with, um, with this, I think any disease, becomes political to the point 
or whomever has the loudest voice gets the most uh, funding for this. And I think diabetes has been passive for far too long. And I think as a caregiver issue, we have to be a heck of a lot more uh, assertive in the way that we manage this issue from a public policy perspective. And the only way that's going to happen is exactly what John said, and that is for those patients and those people and those families who deal with diabetes to stand up and get their voices heard. Right. John, what are the three main parts of your platform for government policies? You know, you know the rest to help. Diabetics and their families respond to the challenges. What are they, John? I, I think we have to address the the child poverty because I think health outcomes, including diabetes, are directly related to child poverty rights. So we have to address child poverty in, in, in a positive way and um, just just as uh, just to have the other side the. The reduction in, in welfare and social assistance rates brought in by a prior government haven't been rolled back by the current Liberal government in Ontario, and that needs to be addressed. And But that's, that's, that's sort of a simple long-term one. More concretely, I think I would identify the fact that we eat a lot of crap. And let's, if you want to eat crap and that has bad health outcomes, let's start taxing the crap that's sold in, in our stores, and let's start subsidizing healthy food, particularly healthy food sold through our schools and elsewhere for our children. Uh, secondly, uh, food labeling in restaurants. If you have labels in restaurants beside every menu item, the way you do on a can of food, that enables people to empowers them to start making healthy choices. I mean, I like a lot of what Mark said about education, but people need the tools to make the uh, to, so that they're informed at the point of purchase, at the point of consumption, that they know what they know what to do. And uh, finally, I would take a serious look at how we fund and subsidize health R and D. My my work uh, in cancer, I see a lot of money funded to uh, going towards cancer drugs that might improve life by two to four months, which is important in the context. But if you take the step back and look at society as a whole, if we're subsidizing drug companies for making patent-safe me-too drugs that have a marginal but measurable improvement, and we take that kind of money and we put it into poverty assistance and education of the kind of stuff that Mark's talked about, we may have much better health outcomes but uh, again, we're going to have to. That's going to take a choice uh, at the social and the society level. So we all need to be active to say that's something we support. Right. Now, going back to your three points, without Mark asking you to repeat them, what would you say the outlook would be for the change that you're calling for if you got elected and if your policies were successfully? implemented what would be different well i think we'd see systemic uh short-term uh health improvements if we uh, managed to significantly alter the eating patterns from uh, from healthy uh, from junk foods to healthy foods uh and i think we'd see a generational change if you look at the numbers what mark talked about earlier when he was forecasting forward that's based on historic trends if we go look back at the numbers i think if we can reverse what we've done by eating processed foods and all that other stuff, if we can reverse that and start eating local or closer to the farm, closer to raw foods, uh, we can see, we can roll back the clock to the kind of incidences 
of diabetes and obesity that we saw a generation two or three generations uh, ago. But that's a long-term goal, and uh, but I think in the short term there will be some immediate immediate health outcome uh, results across Ma- the board. Mark, it's the same question to you. Your well, program, uh, your uh, program uh, is implemented. Uh, I'll, I'll put it what will happen? A couple of weeks ago, I was in Atlanta on some business, and I was watching TV uh, late at night because I was doing some work in my room, Uh, and and every second commercial was for checkers or some other um, uh, stupid, horribly uh, crappy restaurant (laughs) that was flacking their food to uh, uh, the, the great unwashed. Now, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to sound so flippant by saying that, but, you know, it harkens back to, I think if I were to have a campaign platform, it would be cut the crap. We've got to stop this nonsense. And, and uh, you know, that, that, that if checkers can, can make money by selling, you know, uh, uh, horrible food to a bunch of people and create, um, um, uh, you know, the, this kind of nonsense, then I think we've got to be smarter because they're leaving that legacy to governments to manage. So... That, that in, in a lot of ways, is, is something that I think we have to deal with. But let's even get one step further. <clears throat> I think if we, if we look at it in the context of you know, education is a very interesting thing because we, we look at education as we, it, it has to be so prescriptive as to uh, have somebody actually in, in, you know, ingest the information and actually do something about it when, in effect, we could be looking at, at preventative programs um, that hit families and doctors and patients because physicians actually deal better with their patients than do governments. So right on. those are the kinds of areas that I think the incentives need to be uh, put in place. Uh, so I, I look at all, all of those kinds of issues, and I think that we're in, um, in probably uncharted waters right now as it relates to how we deal with this. But um, more and more, I'm going to say, emphasis has to be on those uh, on, on, a, on a greater front, uh, Gordon, with respect to uh, patient self-management, and the governments have to be attuned to that. Now, I'm going to just summarize quickly back to you what I've heard to check with you, and we we only have a couple of minutes to deal with this, but I just want to be clear: what you're talking about, uh, not necessarily in this disorder, but this is how I've got it, is more and more involvement of people in their self-care, their self-management, their compliance, and more and more involvement of families and family caregivers. And we define that very broadly. It, it may be your cousin. It may be somebody who lives next door to you. It may be somebody who's very close to you. But that transferring responsibility to individuals and the people around them. What you're also calling for, both of you, are massive social changes in the way in which resources are allocated, the way in which people are supported when their conditions, their circumstances are unfavorable to diabetes or unfavorable generally. And you're also talking about uh, tools and education so that people know what's okay from a point of view, what isn't, and that they can make some sense out of it all from the point of view of managing themselves and their own health in ways that lead them to 
a healthier life and avoid some of these awful things of diabetes. Now, just quickly, say back to me, first of all, starting with Mark, what have I missed out? Oh, I think you hit the nail on the head, and I think that, um, you know, we need to be uh, just a heck of a lot more provocative um, in terms of the politics uh, when, uh, in terms of managing the politics when, uh, when we're dealing with uh, diabetes and its management uh, with families and in society. John? I guess my closing word would be to, uh, from the opening, uh, from social inequalities of health, according to the Canadian Institute of Advanced Studies, uh, says that uh, 25% of our health outcomes as a population are a result of the interventions of the, of the, of the health care system. 25% are the result of genetics and environmental factors, and 50% are the results of social determinants like poverty, like stress, like overwork, and so forth and so on. And until, as individuals and society, we uh, uh, and as groups in society, we recognize that addressing social issue is how we're going to improve significant health outcomes, I think we're going to fall short on addressing some of our issues. Right. Great, both of you. First of all, let me say thank you to our listeners. Please email us with comments and questions. And particularly, your feelings about the way in which family caregivers might themselves go political along with the family members they're looking after. I want to say thank you to Mark and to John for steering us into an extraordinarily important, I think, insight into a condition which is threatening to individuals, it's threatening to families, it's threatening to the community, and it's threatening to the economics of the places, the jurisdictions in which we all live. Uh, So thank you both, and I'd be glad to have you back to talk about all those other topics you you raised in the discussion. Now, in our next episode, we'll talk about help through inclusive support programs for Alzheimer's disease. Please join us, same time, same spot, on the Internet. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.